Welcome back to the Monitor Sports Podcast. Eric Slobell and Dan Torrey here with you in the final full week of the fall regular uh, fall season. Uh, final full week, at least pretty much for us. We will have uh, soccer championships decided before the next podcast. We'll have volleyball champions decided before the next podcast. Uh, so we will catch you up on everything in those two or four, uh, five sports uh, between boys and girls. We also had a field hockey champion crown today in our area and football playoff picture coming into focus as well with a couple area teams qualifying for that. But Dan, let's start with the one champion that we crowned in the area on Sunday, John Stark field hockey, back-to-back D2 champions. The generals, the top seed in division two took down number two, Kennett one, nothing at, uh, at Bedford High School Sunday afternoon, Jillian Fredette scored the only goal of the game at 10.55 in the first quarter, and John Stark held on to win, finishing the season 17-1. and one. And the thing, Dan, that really stuck out to me was how much of a carbon copy this year's championship game was to last year's championship game when John Stark scored early and held on for a one nothing win. But now back-to-back titles for Dennis Pelletier and the Generals, and just a cool story we've talked about on the podcast a few times. We've had Coach Pelletier on to talk about it as well, just how him and uh, his assistant co- coach Gretchen Gavon started uh, youth field hockey and where from, from nothing about eight years ago, and now they've won back-to-back field hockey champion- championships. So uh, a really cool story for uh, for John Stark to win another title. Absolutely. And one of the things um, that I was struck by a few days ago when I was um, doing the story on the area Allstate picks that was in print uh, today, we're recording this on Sunday, the 29th. As I was going through, I was struck by how many of the Allstate, one, John Stark had the most Allstate picks out of any team um, in our area, but also how many of them are not seniors. Um, offensive player of the year, uh, Lauren Gavon, only a sophomore, um, many juniors, a lot of juniors and sophomores in that mix among the, I believe, seven, yep, seven uh, all-state picks between first team, second team, and honorable mention. Um, a, a lot of underclassmen included in that group, or at least non-seniors, I should say, Um so I mean, top to bottom, they're just stacked. Did uh, do they play two goalies in uh in today's yes uh, game? Fisher started. Addie Pelletier played the second half. They both made some big plays. Uh, so that they did that all season. Each goalie, both goalies played halves of each game, and uh, John Stark allowed nine goals in seventeen games. So I would say that worked out pretty well for them. I mean, good for them. Like to have that, to have that strong of a program where you're, and they graduated many seniors from last year's team too. So it's not like it's a lot of the same kids, but it's not exactly the same crew. Um, so I mean, really, I think what they've done with the sport of field hockey and just in that whole town and the whole community where from top to bottom, they're this, they're this good, um, where they are back-to-back champions and have many non-seniors contributing in very meaningful ways um, and impactful ways throughout the season, um, I think speaks well to John Stark's future and what uh, coach Pelletier has been able to do. Yeah. And that, that was one of the things he mentioned after the game was just how, you know, the last two years when they've played Kennett and Sauhegan, those have been really senior laden teams. 
uh, and they've been relatively young compared to those. And, and you said, I mean, I think the two big seniors that John Stark loses, Edie Fisher, the goalie and Haley Brisson, um, who I believe is a midfielder. Um, yeah. So those are the two big seniors. But as you said, I mean, the others, uh, Lauren Gavon, Jillian Fredette, who had the goal today, Addie Pelletier, the other goalie, they, they've got a lot of players that are coming back next year who were really good as sophomores and juniors this year. So, uh, you know, back-to-back titles and, and this team should be, should be, you know, looking for more again uh, come next season. So uh, John Stark, again, finishes the year 17 and one. They get to hoist the championship plaque for the second year in a row. Um, I failed to mention at the top of the show that we, will be joined later by Pembroke girl soccer coach, Jess Kaufman DeRochers, because Pembroke pulled off a big upset on Sunday. The seven-seeded Spartans beat the two-seeded Merrimack Valley Pride, something we discussed on the podcast last week. So you'll hear more about that game uh, with Coach Kaufman DeRochers a little bit later. But, uh, Dan, let's talk about the actual game. Pembroke wins this one one nothing, And... Last week, we when, when we kind of broke down the five area D2 teams that were going to be in the playoffs, um, I said that my concern with Merrimack Valley was scoring, and that's what happened on Sunday. They, they could not score, and uh, Pembroke picks up its sixth win in a row. I, yeah, and they're they're playing against one of the best goalies in in the division in Layla Al Shawafi. So you you need to be sharp if you're gonna you know get 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 it past her into the net. Um, what a great stretch that Pembroke has had. I I think what not only have they won six games in a row because you know it, it you typically see teams that are good able to do that, but Pembroke at one point was fourteenth. They were 14th in the division, like two from the bottom. I mean, that's – and to go from that to now they're in the final four for I think the – maybe the third straight year, at least the third straight year, um, that they've made it to the to the final four and and they've been playing so well. Um, it's, it's just a great story and a huge turnaround for um, – for Pembroke and and we saw what happened last year you know when they made the finals they didn't necessarily play their best at every moment but they did the things that they needed to do to win um and yeah there's a program that seems to pull it you know pull it together uh at the opportune moments um but yeah, huge win, huge win for Pembroke. Uh, Merrimack Valley's been they've been so close many times. I think they're they're a very consistent quarterfinal team. They're very highly ranked from the regular season. Um, but yeah, it's hard to win games when you don't when you don't score goals and and when you're playing against a goalie like uh, Al Shawafi, that's going to be uh, even more important to do. And the other component to this was that MV had beaten Pembroke both times in the regular season, two to one and two, nothing. So of course the old hard to beat a team three times in a season cliche mm-hmm. comes into play as well on Sunday. Uh, but you mentioned, I mean, um, Pembroke after losing to John Stark, one, nothing back on October 6th. So three weeks ago now, Pembroke was five and seven and they have not lost since. So uh, you'll hear a little bit more about what spurred that turnaround in a little bit, but uh, as for MV, they finished the season 13-3-1 as those offensive struggles catch up to them. Pembroke will play number three, Cobra, in the semifinals. We'll preview the semifinals in a little bit because we have three of the four 
final four teams are area teams. So we'll have more on that in a second. The other double local game that took place on Sunday was between number four, John Stark, and number five, Bo. The visiting Falcons beat the Generals 1-0. Another low-scoring affair. So John Stark finishes its season 12-4-1. Bo uh, keeps going. Based on their Twitter account, this will be head coach Jay Vogt's 14th straight trip to the Final Four with Bo. And so, Dan, we, we, we discussed last week how, you know, this is a bit of a different looking team than the last couple of years, but uh, they're going back to the semifinals. Yeah. Um, again, another team that, you know, Bo, when you look at the results, it's a little bit harder to make sense of where they're doing things like they're, you know, they're beating really good teams like John Stark. Um, you know, they're, they're the only team that was able to beat MV until MV lost to Pembroke today. Um, but then they also, you know, late in the season had a, had a, draw the scoreless draw against a, a 500 conval team um so it's a little bit harder to to make sense of that but um but Bo is very deep they have they have a deep bench um and and a lot of experienced players on that team they did lose the, the pearl twins so definitely losing a lot of their offensive firepower in that regard um but still a very deep bench and a lot of talented players um and and john stark uh at john stark uh in the playoffs is definitely tough to beat um but it will make it will make for an interesting semifinal. um i know uh co brown making it to the semifinals via a four to one win over milford that was the most lopsided of the quarterfinal matches that were played today um so now we've got Cole Brown and Pembroke playing in the first semifinal and then number one Hollis Brookline undefeated taking on Bo, the number five seed in the second semifinal. Um, yeah. I mean, Eric, what are your, what are your thoughts as we head into the final four here? Well, I think uh, as we look to the Cole Brown Pembroke game, so Cole Brown now 13, three and one Pembroke 11 and seven, similar to Pembroke struggles against MV in the regular season, the Spartans also lost twice against the Bears, three to one and five to one on September 12th and October 3rd. So, um, you know, again, Cobrown's going to have to figure out a way to beat Pembroke for the third time. And uh, the Spartans are playing well. I mean, they, the defense has been has been good. You mentioned how good Leila Al-Shawafi is in goal. Uh, so this should be an interesting game. I think the fact that Cobrown did win its quarterfinal pretty convincingly is um, a good sign for them, but you know, they're going to have a tough task against a, a seven seed. That's not really playing like a seven seed right now. They're playing more like a top two seed. So um, that's the four o'clock semifinal in Exeter. And then you mentioned uh, Bo, the five seed having to play unbeaten top seeded Hollis Brookline. The two teams did not meet in the regular season, but the stat that really jumps off the page to me is that Hollis Brookline in 17 games, has allowed three total goals all year that they have not allowed a goal since October 12th, uh, four straight shutouts for uh, Hollis Brookline and shutouts in 14 of 17 games this year. So um, goals, at least for Bo will probably be at a premium on the turf at Exeter high school on Thursday, but the first double local between Pembroke and Cobron guarantees that we will at least have one local team in the championship game to be played next Sunday. 
So that's the D2 girls soccer playoff picture over in Division One. Uh, number six Concord season just came to an end a few moments ago. Uh, Concord losing to number three Bedford three to one. Uh, so Concord ends its season at 13, four and one, a really strong year for the Tide, but could not capitalize on a few opportunities on Sunday. Uh, they were down two to one, had two penalty kicks in a very short period of time, could not convert on either. And then Bedford turned around and scored a third goal to kind of put the game away. But, um, you know, Concord did beat Nashua North on Wednesday, two to one in penalty kicks. Uh, they won PKs three, nothing. Um, but uh, Dan, tough way for Concord season to end. This is a really good year for a team that had a lot of seniors and, you know, obviously six seed, maybe not expected to go to the semifinals, but I think this group did expect to have a legitimate shot to, to win on Sunday and they almost pulled it off. Yeah, this has been a good a good season for Concord. Definitely a, a more consistent team than we've seen um, in the past years. Maybe a little bit sharper than than last year's squad. Um, needed penalty kicks to to get out of the the opening round, um, but and you know nothing, nothing wrong with going down to Bedford. Bedford's a very good team. Soccer, they're they're a good soccer community. Um, so yeah, good good season for the Tide. And then in Division Three, one team still stands in the area. Hopkinton, the three seed, beat number six Trinity three nothing in their quarterfinal matchup on Sunday. So the Hawks will play number two Guilford at Manchester Memorial at four o'clock on Wednesday. And Hopkinton's only two losses this year have come to Guilford: two to one on August thirty first, and two nothing on October twentieth. So I guess the Hawks will also have the hard to beat a team three times in a season in their favor, considering they lost to Guilford twice, but that's a 2-3 matchup, so that should be a tightly contested one as well. And then in Division Four, uh, we just received the final from Concord Christians, the three-seed 5 nothing win against Linwood in their quarterfinal matchup. So that's girls' soccer. In boys' soccer, we still have a few teams that are a couple teams that are still standing, in Division Two, number two bow survived a scare against number seven Co Brown with a two nothing win on Friday. That game was scoreless until less than five minutes remaining. The Falcons scored two goals in that final stretch to cap off the playoff win, and now twelve wins in a row for Bow, the only team left in Division Two. Um, they will play number three Kingswood at Stello Stadium in Nashua on Tuesday at four o'clock um, in the first D2 semifinal for boys. Bo opened its season with a one nothing win over Kingswood, but Kingswood will also be entering this semifinal on a 12-game win streak. So uh, both teams will come into that one red hot. And Dan, I feel like, you know, Friday for Bo, you could look at it positively and negatively. I think positively the fact that they didn't play their best, but they found a way to win. Maybe they kind of snapped the cobwebs out after uh, you know having a bit of an extended layoff about a week between games, um, but the negative is that you know you you want to be playing your best this time of the year, and Friday was not the best we've seen of Bo this season. 
Yeah, I think to a degree, you know, you, you look at that number seven, Co-Brown probably would be a little bit higher than a seven seed if they weren't missing so many of their players for an extended period of time. Um, you know, not, you know, not sure how much you can read into that, but, you know, possibly a, a stronger opponent than than Co-Brown's record and, and seed indicates. Um, yeah, I'm more inclined to lean towards that you know, whatever you do to win is a good thing. And when you're doing it against strong opponents, it, you know, it's not about how you look. It's ultimately about surviving and advancing. So I think if they're finding ways to win, I kind of come down on the side that I think that's ultimately what matters, even if it doesn't look great. Um, Bo's going to have their hands full though on Tuesday against Kingswood. Um, Kingswood is a team that plays on turf. They have a turf field in Wolfboro and then Stello Stadium, uh, a turf field so um Kingswood used to playing on a surface like that but was not um Bo did win the only meeting between the two teams in the regular season Bo beat Kingswood one to nothing uh on the very first game of the regular season back in August uh August 25th which over two months ago seems like another I don't know well it was August it was just different it was August um but but uh definitely a lot has changed since then Bo is is a different team and Kingswood certainly I mean Kingswood I'm looking at their schedule they started the year one two and two that was Kingswood's opening record since then they have won one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven uh i believe they've won i believe they've won 13 in a row um 12 12 or 13 wins in a row for kingswood um since since mid september so kingswood is playing really well also is the team that has not allowed many goals kingswood um had uh they allowed it looks like eight goals in those first five games and then the 13 games that have followed, they've only allowed four. So Kingswood is playing really, really well right now. Looks like it's going to be a battle of two very strong defensive teams. Um, I think whoever can, you know, better adapt to the, to the travel and playing in an unfamiliar, you know, unfamiliar venue um, could, could make the difference in this one, but I'm, I'm very excited to see that. I think it'll be a, a very interesting matchup. Just wanted to also cap off the seasons for a couple other D2 boys teams that lost uh, earlier this week. Number eight, Pembroke. We documented their rise from a, a rough start to the season. They lost one nothing to number nine, Laconia, in the first round on Tuesday. So the Spartans finished the season eight, eight, and one. And then I was at number six, Merrimack Valley. Somewhat surprising three nothing loss against number 11, Plymouth, on Tuesday as well. The Pride finishing the season nine, seven, and one. In division three, number four, Hopkinton beat number five, St. Thomas, three, nothing in the quarterfinals on Friday. Um, so the Hawks will play number one Campbell at Bank of New Hampshire Stadium in Laconia at 6.15 Monday night. The only time Campbell has lost this season was against Hopkinton, a 2-1 win for the Hawks on September 8th. So that should be a really good matchup. And then in division four, Number five, Concord Christian lost three nothing to number four Epping in the D four quarters on Friday. In volleyball, 
we had uh, we have two area teams still standing, but one that had its season end, number eight Concord in Division One, losing three to one against number nine Pinkerton at Concord High School on Wednesday. Uh, the Crimson Tide finished the season eleven and eight in Division Two. Number two Cole Brown beat number seven Kingswood three nothing in the quarterfinals on Thursday, and the Bears will now play number three Sauhegan in the semifinals at Pinkerton Academy at five o'clock on Tuesday. And then number six, Concord Christian will play Interlakes, the two seed in the D three semis on Thursday. So Dan, that's what we got for uh playoff games uh, in football. looks like our playoff picture is much clearer. Now we don't have official brackets yet for football. Really division two is only a division that has multiple teams in the area. Um, but first, a big win for Bo against Laconia, 17-14 in overtime, uh, and that should be enough to get Bo into the postseason. Uh, so what, what's shocking about Division II, maybe not shocking is the right word, but just what, what's fascinating about them this year and how wild that division has been. Looking at Division Two, we have Bo and Kenneth that are 5-4, and four. Guilford, Belmont, and MV that are four and five. They are out. Um, John Stark at five and three and Hanover at four and four. John Stark, the other area team making it into the playoffs out of that group. Really, I don't remember any other year where so much was at stake for so many teams heading into the last week of the season where if Guilford, Belmont won its game against St. Thomas, they're a number five seed. Um, and, and now they're not even in the playoffs and Bo was, you know, they were the number, they were ninth in the division heading into this weekend out of the playoff picture that uh, now, not only are they in, they're up, uh, into the seventh seed. Um, I'm sorry, no, they're at the sixth seed. So they've jumped up a couple of places with, with one win, um, Merrimack Valley that was, that started the year. zero and four finished the year four and five, and they're only one game out. Um, so really a lot of, uh, pretty crazy things. Um, in Division Two football, um, but it looks like what we're going to have is uh, Bo in as the number six seed. Uh, I expect they will be traveling to number three, Sauhegan, and then John Stark um, with a uh, loss to Sauhegan to end the year, um, dropping down to the number seven seed, uh, likely traveling to number two, uh, Plymouth, Guilford, Belmont, and MV at four and five um, don't make that cut. Um, scores from the weekend, Jared Dolder with a big 31-yard field goal in overtime puts Bo into the playoffs. Um, what an exciting sequence that was. They stopped Laconia, looked like from the live stream, maybe on the one, the one or the two-yard line, just short of the end zone. Um, and then Bo with uh, Bo's opportunity, Bo got knocked back a little bit on a couple of plays, but having Dolder um, kick that game-winning field goal uh, made, made the difference in that one. Um, so Bo heading to the playoffs, big win on senior day on, on their home field. So a good Good day for the Falcons. Guilford Belmont lost a game that they had to win in order to make it to the playoffs. They lose 42 to 20 to St. Thomas. St. Thomas led 35 to 8 at halftime. They took advantage of five Eagle turnovers in the first half alone. Uh, Merrimack Valley beat Pembroke in the uh, what is referred to as the Clo O'Brien Bowl, a little annual rivalry game between those 
two teams. Uh, Merrimack Valley winning that one handily, 48 to 14. Um, unfortunate for the Pride, finishing one game out of the playoffs after an 0-4 start, had that big homecoming win against Bow, and everything turned around after that. Um, Pembroke finishes the season at 1-8. John Stark loses to Sauhegan 46 to 12. So John Stark, which could have been as high as the number five seed, um, dropping down to the number seven seed. Um, Concord closes out the season in division one with a 27 to seven loss at Wyndham. Concord took an early lead. Quarterback Colby Nyan connected with Connor Hughes for a touchdown on Concord's first drive to take an early lead. Um, but Wyndham tied the game before halftime. It was seven to seven at the break. And then three tied interceptions in that second half led to a pair of Wyndham touchdowns. And that put the game, uh, put, put the game out of reach. Um, Concord finishing the season at one and seven. I think definitely a disappointment given how strong of the season that Concord had last year. Um, definitely some injuries down, uh, big injuries this year with Ellie Bahuma, last year's leading rusher in the division, uh, out with an injury pretty early on, did not help. Um, and then based on the stats I saw from another reporter who was at the game, it looks like there were a couple other players who had been hurt as well, names I would have expected to see, um, but did not see. So po couldn't catch a break this year, um, uh, the Crimson Tide. Uh, and then finally in Division Four in the annual Kaplan Cup, uh, in, in memory of former teacher and coach Jeff Kaplan, who's at Bishop Brady for a few years and then at Franklin for a long time. Uh, Bishop Brady wins. I've never seen a high school football game end with a three to nothing score, Eric, but that is what happened. A 21-yard field goal by Seamus McIntyre in the fourth quarter uh, gives Bishop Brady the Kaplan Cup and the number four seed in the division four playoffs uh unfortunate for franklin that's had a, a very good season one of the best that it's had uh in many years so it would have been good uh, for franklin to to get there a good season nonetheless um but uh bishop brady ultimately getting that playoff spot uh to play at number one newport on set uh presumably saturday um, that's when everything is supposed to be scheduled for but i expect we might have some of those games switch maybe to Friday night, um, depending on venue availability and and what people preference. Um, yeah, so uh, Bo, John Stark, and Bishop Brady are three area football teams heading to the playoffs. It will be a very tough road for all three of those teams. Um I don't really like the matchups for any of those teams, to be perfectly honest. They're they're going up against some very, very strong competition. I think out of those three, I think I like Bo's matchup probably um, the best. Maybe it's just because they're the highest seeded team out of all of those, um, out of all of their playoff teams. But I think Bo is the path that I, I – from what I see has, has the most likely path to a victory out of all three of our area teams. It will be a very tall order though. Um, but I, I think the Falcons could make that a, a competitive game. Uh, and Stark also, they've, they've outperformed what, what a lot of uh, people have thought. Um, so definitely, you know, John Stark, they've got a very strong running game, so you can't, can't count them out either. Um, 
Eric, anything on football before I launch into my uh, cross country update? I mean, I think uh, we've covered it. It, it just uh, we, we've talked a lot about the soccer and volleyball and the success and field hockey of some of our area teams. Football just not not a great year for a few area teams. Uh, you mentioned Concord closing out a rough year, one and seven. Um, you know, even a team like Bo that that made it to the uh, semifinals last year, if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, just kind of barely sneaking in and, and having a tough road ahead. So, um, you know, a few schools that had good seed to go for Belmont uh, as well, uh, runners up in D2 last year. So a few schools that are come, were coming off really exciting 2022 seasons, not really able to follow that up this year. So we three teams will continue, but uh, not in easy positions. Yeah. Eric, Saturday, I was at Dairyfield Park in Manchester for the Cross Country Championships. Probably the nicest day um, that I have ever had there. Uh, Weather-wise, I was in shorts all day. It was great. I think last year was like seasonably chilly. Um, not unpleasant, but uh, you know, not not the best. And then I think the year before that was rain and sleet. And in 2020, I was standing in a couple inches of snow um, watching the Concord boys accept their championship plaque. Um, so this year, the weather uh, for spectating was great. A little hot for some of the runners, um, but a very good day for capital area programs. The biggest surprise um, out of all six of the, the races, um, there being boys and girls races for all three divisions. The biggest surprise in any of the team races uh, were the Hopkinton boys in division three winning its first title since 2012 um, entered maybe a top five, maybe a top two, if everyone uh, has a great day, um, but really coming on strong to win, um, especially a big surprise given that Hopkinton barely could feel the team. Um, last year, you need a minimum of five runners to have a team score. Hopkinton only had five boys on the roster, half of their meets. They did not have all five. So there were a lot of meets where they just were not going to get team points and just were running for individual stuff. Um, but really a, a great season for the Hawks. Um, seniors, Matt Klarner and Ben Daniels finishing six and seven seventh respectively um, they've been a one of the best one-two punches in the state ever since they were freshmen they've been they work well together they've been kind of up from leading the way um, for many years and now they've had they have teammates behind them um, so it was cool to hear that story and see that dynamic shift um, within the program uh, and taking on more leadership roles in addition to you know just you know their own their own training so big win for the Hopkinton boys Hillsborough during freshman Elijah Bodanza in fourth, Kearsarge's Daniel Dahlbeck in 11th, um, advancing to the meet of champions that is next weekend at Alvern High School. That features the top teams and individuals from all three divisions going head-to-head -head, uh, for a true state championship. Um, and then for the Division Three girls, Hopkinton favored to win maybe um but finished second um losing by 13 points to Messenic. Messenic was the only team that had was the only division three team that had beaten Hopkinson girls who were undefeated otherwise so it was definitely going to be between those two um Messenic just a little bit more depth um, but freshman Maddie Lane winning the division three individual girls title uh winning that one fairly comfortably 
leading Hopkinton to second place. Uh, Shaley Murdo in sixth and Elizabeth Trafton in 14th were the other um, leaders for that Hopkinton team. And Kearsarge was Molly Ellison in fourth, um, making it to the meet of champions as well. In Division Two, Cole Browns, Jamie Lano wins the individual championship on the boys' side, leading Cole Brown to second place. Of course, Cole Brown with a big um, change in the program with coaches Brent Kazik and Tim Cox uh, retiring from coaching, um, at least in that, uh, at least at that level um both still very involved with new hampshire cross country but um not coaching the co-brown team anymore taken over by a couple of alumni uh former athletes of um cox and Kazik and you know co-brown there's a bit of a sense of a little bit of a chip on the shoulder almost they graduated aiden cox the state record holder uh three division one collegiate athletes on last year's team uh, and I, what was supposed to be a re re rebuilding year was not really a rebuilding year as they came in second. Um, great race for Lano, um, who definitely pulled away in the middle section of that course. Um, Sonny Namula in sixth, Luke Carrack in ninth, and Lee McLean in 17th. Um, Coe Brown had three in the top nine, Hanover had four in the top nine. Um, so it's it's pretty remarkable to have that many runners that high up and still not win. Um, and then both. Bow teams advancing to the meet of champions, Alden Betterly and Aiden Simonese leading the way for the Bow Boys. Um, Julia Howe, uh, Hannah Pulowski, and Lena Thompson leading the way for the Bow Girls. The boys were fifth, the girls were sixth, the top six teams in Division Two advance. Um, and then John Starks, Eli Lemire, uh, Kayla Barrier, and Co Brown's Paige Murdo, the other individual qualifiers in Division Two, to advance to the meet of champions. Uh, and the race that started it off uh, first thing in the morning were the Division One girls, uh, Concord advancing to the meet of champions, finishing fifth in the division. Uh, that was the goal to make it to meet of champions, and the Tide girls did that, led by Shelly Smith. Uh, who was 17th, um, daughter of Jay Smith, who contributes uh, all of the cross-country photos. He was very busy on Saturday, got us a lot of great stuff. One of many very hardworking photographers who who uh, really helps us out and contribute a lot to our coverage. Uh, and the Concord boys finished 13th, Josiah Conley finishing 6th, advancing to meet of champions from Concord as well. Uh, so big, big day uh, for uh, area cross country teams, and uh, they're all going to compete head to head um, at the meet of champions on this upcoming Saturday with spots for New England's at stake there. Eric, that does it. That does it for cross country. Lots of cross country, uh, your favorite, your favorite time of the year. Uh, let's get to my interview with Pembroke girls soccer coach Jess Kaufman-DeRoches for more on the Spartans' win over Merrimack Valley. I'm here with Pembroke Academy girls soccer coach Jess Kaufman-DeRoches. Jess, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, so excited to be here again. Love, love chatting. So we're recording this a couple hours after your girls beat Merrimack Valley won nothing. Uh, Pembroke the seven seed, MV the two seed, so a big upset for the girls. Um, Jess, why don't we start with 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 just what what impressed you the most about how how Pembroke played today? 
Yeah, I mean, we, you know how the saying goes, you have to peak at the right time, you have to be playing your best soccer come this second fresh season that we call playoffs, and I think right now, these Pembroke players, these girls are doing it, um, you know, we, this is the third time we're playing MV, another cliche saying, but rings true, it's hard to beat a team three times, MV, you know, beat us in two close games during the season. And, you know, it's just all about believing in what we can achieve together. And, um, you know, it was a gritty game. Um, it was, you know, a little bit rainy at times. And so sometimes that can have an effect on things. But, um, again, we just hung in there and kept to our mission. Um, and, you know, we were able to come out on top against a, a Merrimack Valley team that has had a fantastic season. They really have. They've worked really hard. They've put together a super impressive record so it stinks for them um but um i'm psyched for us i'm glad you mentioned the uh the two previous meetings uh because um as you said coaches always love to say it's hard to beat a team three times and you lost them two to one in early september and then again three to one during uh mv's uh homecoming um in, in late September, what did you kind of take from those first two matchups to get the girls prepared for today? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, um, you know, we have to learn from our mistakes, but also as Ted Lasso with Goldfish and be a next play player, kind of, kind of shrug off some mistakes from the past, and especially that first meeting with Merrimack Valley. Um, you know, their number two, Colby Magoon, had an absolute beautiful shot with, you know, less than five minutes to go in the match to win that game for them early on in the season. And so we've really continued to try to improve, to not let, um, not let shots outside of the box come off and also to dig deep and try to play a full 80 minutes and more if needed um, for extra time. And I think we've patched together the will and the way to do that when we played them during homecoming. They beat us 2 nothing. They got up and out early and scored on us early. And, you know, we worked to try to respond, and then they scored again late. So, again, our mission has been to play a full 80, and we did that today. And uh, today is now the sixth game in a row that uh, the team has won. Um, so... I want to kind of go back. The last time I saw you guys play in person was uh, mid-September, late September against Bo. Lost that game 3-2. Um, since then, uh, the team has won uh, eight of the last 11, including the last six in a row. Um, what kind of shifted in late September, early October? Um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at our schedule... And if you look at our region, um, the region of soccer, you know, right here in Merrimack Valley with Co-Brown and John Stark and Bo and Merrimack Valley, um, it's been so competitive and helped us get so ready to play some intense soccer. Um, and, you know, so as we got through that, you know, difficult patch from our first part of the season, you know, we made some shifts in kind of how we approached and attacked the game. Um, and again, down the final stretch where we were playing, we were matched up with teams. There were, as I saw it, nine teams fighting for six spots into the playoffs and nothing was guaranteed. Um, I mean, when a, when a solid team like Oyster River doesn't make the playoffs, like 
we were kind of fighting for our lives at times. And so I think this for us came against um, John Stark. We played them one nothing. We played them zero zero at half. And even though we eventually lost, um, I think that was a real turning point for us. And we kind of haven't let off the gas since. And uh, particularly, it seems like the, the defense has been really good, um, only having allowed five goals in the in, the, in this six-game winning streak. Uh, I know you had we had talked earlier in the season. You've been dealing with some injuries there. Um, is, is that just been a matter of you know girls getting healthy and getting more experience? Yeah, I mean now um, you know we we faced a, a couple injuries today and battling through some colds that hopefully can remedy remedy themselves in the next couple of days. But in the meantime, other players have gotten healthy. And, you know, we've just taken, like, an overall more accountability for the defensive game, um, always playing both sides of the ball. Everybody's playing defense no matter where you are. And then everybody's trying to get up in the attack and, and build numbers. And I think kind of helping each other shift that mindset has really helped. And then, uh, so now you're going to be playing Cole Brown in the D2 semifinals on Thursday. Uh, like Merrimack Valley, a team that you played twice in the regular season, lost to both times, 3-1 to one on September 12th and 5-1 on October 3rd. Uh, what's the biggest challenge going, up, going into this next game uh, against Cole Brown? Um, you know, again, it is, that my, it is that mindset. I mean, I've been coaching this program for 14 years, you know, I have a lot of varied postseason experiences and anything can happen in the playoffs. And I try to, you know, help our players. And we just talk about that constantly, that any game is winnable. Um, same thing here. It's hard to beat a team three times. Um, this is a co-brown team that we know very well. A lot of the girls will play together on club teams. And, um, you know, Josh Hills is an excellent and enthusiastic coach and and colleague um and so but again i think i think they proved it i think they proved it in the first round when we beat who beat us in the championship last year i think they just proved it this afternoon to themselves and and our fans and the rest of the division that you know um what you do in the regular season matters but also you know never give up and anything can happen especially in the playoffs it sounds like you have, as you've said, just you've had quite a lot of experience with, uh, you know, making sure that you can get the girls to buy into that. You know, they don't have to have a perfect regular season. It's just a matter of them playing their best at the end, end of the year that, that really matters the most. How do you kind of, you know, get them to buy into that? Because, you know, every player obviously is very competitive and you, and you also want to win, you know, every game. But how do you kind of get them to understand that, like, yeah, we might be, you know, five and seven right now, but if we focus the next couple weeks, like, we can make a run in the playoffs. Um, you know, just telling some tales from the past. I mean, a lot of these players, you know, prior to this year were part of a, were part of a program that, you know, had only lost two regular season games. And so battling through the adversity of you know, kind of the beginning of our season was tough at times. And, you know, again, we we still continue to kind of reflect on our own strengths and skills we need to work on as a 
player and then also how we can help one another um, kind of work on their own weaknesses and develop their own strengths. So just getting out there and working on it every day. Well, it's worked out pretty well. Again, uh, Cole Brown, excuse me, uh, Pembroke heading to the D2 semifinals to take on Cole Brown. Pembroke, the seven seed, facing the three seed, the Bears. That game, again, is going to be Thursday at Billball Stadium in Exeter at 4 o'clock. Pembroke, one win away from going back to the Division II championship game. Coach Kaufman DeRochers, thanks for stopping by the podcast. It's great to have you. Of course. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right, Dan. So we have three of the four girls soccer teams remaining in Division Two from this area, meaning at least one will advance to the championship. Bow Boys Soccer trying to make a run in the championship. Hopkinton Boys and Girls trying to make a run. Cole Brown Volleyball also in the mix. Uh, Conquer Christian Volleyball still alive and girls soccer. So uh, lots of teams to keep an eye on as we hit championships uh, this coming week, we, of course, will have as much of it covered as possible. Thanks to Coach Coffin DeRoche for hopping on the podcast shortly after their big win over Merrimack Valley. For Dana Torrey, I'm Eric Prince-Lobel. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week.